Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. For our week three, yes, week three Blitzed podcast. I can't believe we're heading into week three. It feels like week 13 with the way injuries are mounting up. And I'm not sure, but I have to check if Harley's on the injury list or if he's actually joining me this week. Harley, are you there? I'm pretty sure I pulled something when I tried to hook up my microphone tonight. You know what? I, I do that. <laughs> so I completely can relate. Um, pick up the pencil and I... I Hurt my rotator cuff like Drew Locke did. So well, and there was a point earlier this weekend when I was trying to get out of the couch, and my lower back started hurting. So they they put me on IR for the next three weeks. Yeah, I, I was there. I started the season on pup. I came off it. I lower back injury. Um, I worked my way through a rotator cuff injury earlier in the season. Also, believe it or not, um, I did it trying to scratch my shoulder. Oh, jeez. That's all I did. I've done it before. <laughs> it's something that flares up occasionally. I've done it before when I was washing my hair. and Like, it's just, and it is so painful. So I kind of understand why Drew Locke's on the shelf for three to five weeks playing football and getting tackled by 300-pound guys when I all I couldn't do was dry my back because I couldn't move my arm. So, you know, 2020 can kiss off, as they like to say. Well, as a guy who has had a history of some shoulder and uh, and various upper back injuries along with arm injuries uh, associated with uh, my former bowling days. I, I, I can attest that uh, when, when you have an arm problem, it can really kind of ruin your day. It can ruin your week, your month, your year. Yeah. Mine was like, I'll be honest with you, just don't get old, right? That's the, that's the first thing. Just don't get old. Um, it started out my calf hurt one day. And then like three days later, my back hurt. And then like a couple days later, the shoulder hurt. And it's like, you know that each one of those kind of impacts something else that happens. Exactly. And then you'll favor one of them. It'll end up costing you pain on the other side inevitably. And that's how we're going to use that to tie this into fantasy football. And that's why we sometimes say it's dangerous to go after a guy coming back from an injury because you don't know how he's going to favor things and what it's going to do to him and stuff like that. So with that said... I might as well let people know what we're going to do tonight because I think that there's no way we can't talk about injuries. So we'll do a fantasy infirmary section, um, section, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the pod. And then after we finish that up, we will move into our normal DFS picks, giving people pay-ups, stay-aways, and value plays. But before any of that happens, I have to throw it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Injuries were the story of the day as consensus top three pick Saquon Barkley and consensus number one overall pick Christian McCaffrey sustained lower body injuries. Barkley is out for the year with a torn ACL and McCaffrey will miss a month because of a high ankle sprain. In addition, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, and Cam Akers are all facing extended absences of their own 
after injuries sustained on Sunday. You know, and to think about this, before the season started, we were all worried about what effect COVID was going to have on everyone's season. <laughs> it wasn't just running backs getting leveled by injury, as both Julio Jones and Devontae Adams are now dealing with hamstring injuries. Popular sleeper Paris Campbell is out indefinitely with both an MCL and PCL sprain, and Cortland Sutton tore his ACL, ending his season. Also, tight end C.J. Ozuma was lost for the year after tearing his ACL on Thursday. Quarterbacks Drew Locke and Jimmy Garoppolo will miss time due to injuries as well. Heck, we even witnessed Tyrod Taylor sustain a chest injury before the game even started. All of these injuries raise the obvious question. What sort of deal with Satan did Jordan Reed make to not get hurt this week? <laughs> if you blew your free agent budget last week on Benny Snell or Peyton Barber or Naheem Hines, I feel bad for you. If you blow your free agent budget this week on Devonta Freeman, Mike Davis, or Dion Lewis, I guess I can completely understand that. Now that said, if you blow all of your free agent budget this week, on Tim Patrick, Jeff Driscoll, or Braxton Berrios, you know, just ask your commissioner to disband your team. Fantasy football, and quite possibly life itself, is not for you. <laughs> New York Jets coach Adam Gase was quoted today as saying that it was time to put things into hyperdrive. I hate to inform you, coach, but the only thing you are speeding towards is your own unemployment. <laughs> And finally, the BPN News team would like to congratulate each and every one of our listeners for producing more fantasy points yesterday than Kirk Cousins. This has been your BPN News Update. Ouch. As somebody that actually started Cousins yesterday, um, I feel the pain. But, you know, oh my God. So, the fantasy... Tell, us, tell, tell people about the Scott Fishbowl scoring for Kirk Cousins yesterday. <laughs> So luckily I didn't start in there. I have Cam there. Um, so for those that are new to the fantasy landscape, they probably have not dealt with the fantasy gods. And I know that there's people that believe in God and there's atheists. There's no way anybody's an atheist when it comes to the fantasy gods because they are real, right? Do you exactly. And sometimes they're quite crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what was I touting earlier this year? My, my three-headed running back... Um, Mount Olympus, basically, of Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and, and um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I feel like we need the Saturday Night Live sound effect of the wah-wah yeah. for that. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm right there with these people when, when they're, you know, basically, if you had a pick in the top 50, you've probably lost a player or two. <laughs> or three or six or 50. Yeah. Hey, going into week two, I was upset that I lost Jamison Crowder on that team because he was my top wide receiver. <laughs> now I'd be like, okay, you can have Crowder. Give me the other guys back at least. Um, well, let, let, let me. Let, you just mentioned Crowder. Let me cut in here. Uh, so I, I, I have one redraft league remaining. All, all my other leagues are now Dynasty. But my one redraft league that still exists, uh, it's been around since the turn of uh, the century. And... Uh, the commissioners are all old school. They uh, they don't use computers. They add everything up by hand from the paper. Uh, we still have kickers and defenses, and it's no point per reception. It's a standard scoring. So my first three draft picks in that in that league uh, from the swing at, at pick twelve, I took Michael Thomas, who happened to fall to me, uh, followed by George Kittle, 
And then round three, I took uh, James Conner. So after week one, I was in complete disarray. Uh, on top of that, uh, my number three receiver was Crowder. Uh, so, of course, I look at things yesterday, and sure enough, Crowder is yeah. out too. So, again, I'm, I'm shorthanded there. Uh, down to my last re- – basically, I had to start three receivers and uh, went down to the uh, waiver wire to look and see who was there. And wasn't too happy that my number three receiver at that point was Preston Williams, who uh, I was a little concerned uh, – that he might get some uh, like double coverage in that game, particularly if Devontae Parker didn't play. Hey. So Saturday, I made the move, cut Williams, and picked up Russell Gage, who actually had a productive day. Now, despite having all these injuries, I still won my matchup 95-49. to 49. The other gentleman has uh, his kicker going tonight, but I think I've got locked up. Yeah, I think you do too. Um, yeah, I mean, I lost one of my matchups in flex. I think that I scored like 50-some points, and he scored like 100-and-some. And that's where I have Barkley and I have McCaffrey. Um, at least I think I do. If not, I've got McCaffrey and CEH or something like that. But <sighs> hammered. That's just that's what you saw. You either saw somebody that went off or somebody that just was completely like below the Mendoza line as far as scoring goes, right? I mean, yeah, and it, it really it, it hurt a lot of people from a both from a daily fantasy and also from a regular fantasy standpoint. Uh, myself, I was heavily invested in Devontae Adams this week. I thought he was up uh, set for a big game uh, with the injuries to Detroit secondary and the fact that the only healthy cornerback they had was an unhealthy rookie uh, who actually did get burned a few times in that game by Aaron Rodgers. But uh, when, when you lose a guy like that early in the game to a hamstring, or you lose Paris Campbell who, again, a lot of people were highly invested in from a daily fantasy standpoint because of his price tag, the easy matchup, um, and, and, and perhaps adding like salt to the injury. Late in the game, you see Zach Pascal score a touchdown that more than likely would have been Campbell's score. Yep. So I'm looking at that league now. I did start Kirk Cousins in that league, and he did score 1.52 fantasy points for me. Unlike... <laughs> Unlike the negative 20-ish that he got in Scott Fishbowl, correct? Uh, it's like negative 19 point something. And okay. I get, one, one of the rules uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar with Scott Fishbowl this year is that there's negative points for incompletions. <laughs> yep. Crazy. And so, yes. It, it, I mean, it, when you consider the annals of horrid fantasy football quarterback performances, I mean, obviously, you, you look at guys like Nathan Peterman a couple of years ago. But uh, Matt Schaub and his history of throwing pick sixes. But that was seriously one of the worst overall uh, offensive performances I've ever seen from a quarterback that's usually fairly consistent. Yeah, so because Chris Godwin was out, he was one of the anchors of my receiving crew in that league, which it was. It's McCaffrey and CEH at running back, and then I had Allen Robinson, and Godwin is my top two wide receivers, and Zach Gertz is my top tight end. So I've you know, I'm, I'm weak at flex and, and wide receiver three. My wide receivers that I started with Allen Robinson wound up being Danny Amendola, Scott, Scotty Miller, and I thought I had a coup, even though I knew it was risky, picking Muhammad Sanu up, knowing that San Francisco's bare bones at wide receiver as it is, and he knows Shanahan, so I was like, he might be a sneaky play. No, he got zero. So you just never know sometimes. But with that, why don't we run through? I'll let you lead this horse and carriage and buggy and all that good stuff down the road. Let's start off with some quarterbacks and see what we can do to help people with that. Well, 
the three main injuries at quarterback this past weekend, uh, Drew Locke uh, out for the next uh, at least two weeks with a shoulder injury. Sounds like it might be closer to four weeks. Uh, he's going to be replaced by Jeff Driscoll, who, I mean, I, I don't remember much about Jeff Driscoll's playing with Denver last year, but I, I seem to remember him having some success in limited, in limited starts with Cincinnati a couple of years ago. Yeah. He didn't look too, too bad at times against the Steelers. And he was in Pittsburgh. Um, there were some times where he definitely held the ball than he, when he shouldn't have. Um, is he somebody you need to run out and pick up? No. If you're in a two-quarterback lead, maybe, probably. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, you know how I am about quarterback. That's where we're at. Yeah, I, I think that he's uh, only viable in a two-quarterback league and then only as your third quarterback in that two-quarterback league. I, I'm certainly not going to rely on starting him every week, especially with the news that Cortland Sutton is done for the year. That's the big, um, that's the key right there. The other uh, second quarterback to go out this week is Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, several people on San Francisco's Twitter were cheering Garoppolo being hurt. They feel like Nick Mullins might be a better quarterback for their situation there. And uh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Nick Mullins had had a few good days there, and I think he's actually a guy. If I'm in a super flex situation, I need a quarterback. I would almost rather pick him up. Yes. Uh, and I would Driscoll. And Shanahan likes him too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some talent there. Look, you got to worry that Mostert's out though now. Tevin Coleman's out now. Um, Debo's out who, now. Who is not out for, for San Francisco right now? Jeff Wilson. Ah. Um, maybe Jarek McKinnon's actually going to do something now. Uh, so that's. Brandy, Brandon Ayuk got back on the field. They have Sanu, who I think – look, unfortunately reports where Sanu looks slow this year. But if he does know the offense, he'll be a trusted type receiver. And unbelievably, you're right. You know something's wrong with the Matrix when Jordan Reed comes out of a week where everybody, their mother, their aunt, and their uncle all got hurt. And Jordan Reed's the guy standing at the top of the mountain going, I feel good, man. What's up? Let's play, let's play another. Yeah. The, the the 49ers alone had seven or eight play have seven or eight players currently yeah. who are who are hurt and likely out for an extended period of time if not for the season and yeah to see Reed make it through it is just amazing so if i told um, let, let's let's do this if i told you you didn't watch the football yesterday and i said the 49ers have seven players that are out for at least one week or more due to injury suffered this week Jordan Reed played more than 20 snaps. Do you think he is one of those injured? And I give you the odds of million to one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure people would have guessed that yeah, he would have gone down. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds already like George Kittle is, is inching towards playing week three, which is kind of a blasting in disguise for them because I think they do need yeah. to get him back out on the field. And, and realistically, you mentioned Sanu being slow. I mean, has Sanu ever really been fast? Well, no, that's, I always kind that's of thought, the, thought of him as a slow guy on the outside. But that's also part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've got some fast guys there. They, they've got guys that they can use to stretch the field if need be once time comes. But none of them are very experienced at catching the ball. So, right. I mean, get, getting Kittle back on the field is going to do wonders for the team. But again, losing all those weapons, uh, both on defense and then at at running back, losing both Tevin Coleman and Raheem Morris, Raheem Morris, Raheem Mostert. Uh, remember Raheem Morris? <laughs> yes, he's still coaching. <laughs> exactly. 
So getting those guys, getting those guys healthy, and it doesn't sound like either of them is going to miss an extended period of time, maybe a week or two here. Uh, a lot of people are rushing out to get Jarek McKinnon. Uh, I, I like you said, I actually kind of like Jeff Wilson as a better option. In the past, it seemed like whenever everyone was injured in San Francisco, they turned to Jeff Wilson. Yeah. He usually had two or three serviceable games, and then he'd go back on the practice squad. And for some reason, no one ever picked him up. I, I never quite got that. Plug and play, baby. Plug and play. All right. So any other quarterbacks you would talk about? Uh, I, obviously, the only one I, men- I mentioned was Tyrod Taylor, who sustained an injury pregame to his chest. And uh, the first thing I thought was when they came out chest injury, I was thinking hockey-type injury things, he's got COVID. But uh, that's not what they're claiming. Uh, <laughs> so Tyrod apparently doesn't have COVID. I'm sorry about misleading people on Twitter if that's what I said. Uh, but uh, here. Uh, Ebert or Herbert or however you want to pronounce his name uh, was actually really, really good uh, replacing him. Yeah. So of course uh, what happens today, uh, coach comes out and says, Tyrod's our starting quarterback. Man, why are coaches so, I know the answer. It's a rhetorical question. They're just, I mean, Bill O'Brien started, what's his name over Deshaun Watson early in his career. Like I said, oh, yeah. should, I said Bob should have been fired for that and that alone. What was the, I can't remember the guy's name. He was horrible. Um, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, right? I, I, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name off my head, but I mean, it, well, it's like the the teams the teams every year that trade for Mike Glennon. Yeah. <laughs> it, just uh, I just don't get it. Um, he can't mean that. I mean, but if he does, come on. I mean, and it's not like. It's not like he beat the Jaguars or the Bengals or a team that you're not expecting to do well. He didn't beat them, but my gosh, they took the champs and gave them everything they had. Yep, and uh, everyone that listened to us last week would would know that uh, during our DFS segment, I I was very strongly against playing Patrick Mahomes because of the fact that he has struggled in his career against an extremely, extremely talented outside set of corners there in Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay, so let's run over to running back. I mean, uh, you, running back. It seems yeah. like who isn't who isn't hurt right yeah, now, that, right? Yeah, that might be easier. Who's not hurt at running back that we can talk about? Um, I mean, obviously the, the two biggest names uh, to come out of this weekend: uh, Saquon Barkley done for the year. Yep. Christian McCaffrey done for uh, anywhere from four to six weeks. Although it sounds like he wants to try to get back on the field sooner than that. It's the dreaded high ankle, though, basically, and that's scary for something that could linger and make him not as effective coming back. Um, do you, I know what I feel, what do you feel from a value standpoint is there worth picking up in Carolina? Oh, Carolina, a lot of people will, uh, think back to a couple of years ago. I think it was Reggie Bonifon was the listed backup for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, this past off season, they signed, uh, Mike Davis, the former Chicago bear, to be his backup, and Bonifon got put on the practice squad. I guess he just got activated today up to the active roster with the injury to McCaffrey. Uh, Davis actually looked fairly decent in replacement of McCaffrey, and they have a sort of similar skill set in the fact that Davis can run straight up the middle, but he's also a very effective pass catcher, and I remember that from the stage in Chicago. I think that, I mean, you're not going to get McCaffrey's numbers, but at least for the next two or three weeks, he might be a nice sneaky play in Daily Fantasy because his price won't be affected yet uh, uh, for at least one more week. Uh, and again, if he can produce 
half of McCaffrey's number, a third of McCaffrey's numbers. That's what I was just going to ask. July return. I was just going to ask you, and, and not talking DFS, talking, um, you know, redraft and, and using him right now. What percentage of McCaffrey's points on an average, average week do you have to get from him to feel good about it? I would say tw- if you get 12 of the 30 points that you normally expect in a daily environment from McCaffrey, I'd be happy. Uh, although, realistically, I, I could see if Bonifon doesn't get a huge amount of the touches, I could see Davis producing 15 to 16 points weekly. So you're talking, you, you're, you're expecting to get 40 to 50% of what McCaffrey provides. Exactly. Which is basically a normal running back giving you because McCaffrey's like running back plus a wide receiver. So Exactly. Problem is, that's not going to cut it for you if you drafted Christian McCaffrey because because you're behind the eight ball at the other positions with how and where the draft started to fall off. So it's going to take some luck also. I, I'm, and then if you are somebody like me that has McCaffrey and Barkley, I'm not going to mail it in, but it's a definite steep uphill battle. So talking Barkley now, yesterday I tweeted, I've already put my claim in for Devontae Freeman before it was even <laughs> announced that he was going there to visit, which he has. Um, he's already went today, I think, to take his to start his COVID testing. Um, how do you feel about Devontae Freeman in New York? Well, and uh, coming out of last weekend, Freeman had made a couple of visits to a couple other places, and he was like, oh, I'm going to wait one more week just to see what might happen. And, uh, and luck be damned for uh, Mr. Freeman, yep. everyone got hurt. So uh, he, he's pretty much going to get his choice of whatever place he wants to go to. Uh, obviously you go into New York right there. Your only real competition for carries is going to be Deion Lewis. Who's an effective pass catcher out of the backfield. We saw that during his time, both in new England and also in Tennessee. Uh, so certainly I think Lewis will have some value from a pass catching standpoint going forward, but then they've also got Wayne Gallman, who's never amounted to much of anything. Uh, and when he has amounted to something for like a game, the very next game, he's always getting hurt. So I, I, I wouldn't waste my time at all with him. Maybe throw a couple bucks down on Lewis come free agency, but if if you if you had Barkley on your team, Devonta Freeman is like ninety percent likely to be yep. the starting running back for this team for the next fifth uh, next fourteen weeks. Now, whether or not the starting running back for that team is worth anything for the next fourteen weeks is a whole other story. Yeah, I think you got to break the bank if you want to get Freeman if you're a Barkley owner, honestly, because you just you have to try. And Freeman does have the ability to be at least a low level running back one. Um, he'll lose some passing down work probably to Dion, but it, that's the one pickup to me that I want this week. And I'm probably going to go back and look at my, my submissions and, and probably up my, my um, blind bids on them, honestly. Yeah. I think that he's when, when you're considering what you can possibly do, this is the one situation where, you know, you've got a running back that's going to be the featured running back for a NFL team for the rest of the season. Or until he gets hurt. Eventually, yes. <laughs> like everybody else. All right. uh, other other injured running backs this week, uh, David Montgomery suffered concussion. The play uh, was very, very interesting to watch. Uh, for our wrestling fans out there, it looked a little bit like a stone-cold stunner. Uh, he landed directly head down on his helmet. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, how he managed to, but after getting accompanied to the sidelines, he actually walked himself to the locker room. I, I, I'm not sure how he managed to do that, considering the injury. 
Uh, Mostert, as we mentioned, uh, suffered an injury. I I am Batman. That's what he said. I am Batman. Remember that? (laughs) I remember that commercial well, yes. And and lastly, uh, one that actually kind of has some fancy intrigue is is Cam Akers uh, suffering a rib injury that looked fairly severe. Uh, And, of course, I mean, everyone went into their free agent budget last week and spent big bucks on Malcolm Brown. Yep. And all, all of a sudden... Now it looks like it's going to be uh, Daryl Henderson being the main uh, ball carrier there. Yeah, he's the other guy that, uh, again, I'm just I'm not keen on that situation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a war of attrition, so if you can roster somebody that's going to be getting at least 8 to 10 touches, it's better than not. And, of course, the, the losing of uh, Montgomery certainly does everything to help the value of a uh, guy like Tariq Cohen who – for anyone that played zero running back in this draft here, uh, certainly uh, Cohen was a, a target late for people in that range, and certainly he's going to have some value going forward now, too, as long as Montgomery's out. So I guess that the Bears look like they're brilliant considering they just extended him like that day or the day before for $17 million, and everybody was complaining about it, um, which actually I agree with not extending him. You don't pay running backs, especially a satellite back like that. Um, but that's for another day. So, And we kind of already touched on Mostert with the uh, – yeah. Jeff Wilson versus Jarek McKinnon, I think they're both decent options. But again, neither neither Mostert nor Coleman is going to be out long enough that either of those two guys is going to be more than a one- or two-week fill-in. I would agree. What I would say to watch out for is somebody that might drop Coleman. And if you have the space, try to be proactive. If you miss out on those other guys, nab him and stash him and wait till he comes back and somebody else maybe gets hurt or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I Also, I, I hate to linger on, on Mostert here, but... Uh, uh, going into this past week, I was very much adamantly against playing him uh, this week. And, of course, on the very first play, he takes a yards for a touchdown. Uh, that was my bad call. However, in my defense, following that, he had seven carries for 12 yards the rest of the game before getting hurt. So so I own Monster in a league where I drafted Kenyon Drake and I think Joe Mixon. And at the last minute, I decided to sit Drake and, and plug Monster in there. And I was quite happy, and then I was quite sad. Because uh, it could have been a really big day. It, it it probably should have been a better day. I mean, I, I gave the Jets' run defense more credit than they deserve. Yeah. What about wide receiver? What do you, who do, you, do uh, wide receiver? I mean, uh, the two big injuries, obviously Julio and Devonte. Uh, I actually was unaware of Julio's hamstring injury. Apparently, it was bothering him a little bit going up to the game, and it, it bothered him during the game. Now, how much it bothered him, and how much he just wasn't a part of the overall game script could be <laughs> up for discussion too. Very true. Um, so real quick, are you aware that let me pull it up. We're, we're running a little bit, we're running a little long here, but let me pull this up. See if I can get it real quick that the Falcons have two top. You like how I'm trying to drag this out. Let me see here. Two top three, top five. They have they have three top 12 wide receivers. You aware of that? Yes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I picked up Gage as a last-minute substitution, and he filled in nicely for me with a mid-40s receiving performance and a touchdown this week. So, and I'm yeah, sorry. you, you got to love all three of those guys. I mean, certainly uh, I, everyone has hatred for Julio not getting in the end zone. So but, uh, let me correct myself. That was after week one. 
in week two if I told you that the Falcons have two top 12 wide receivers and Julio Jones isn't one of them? You wouldn't believe that, would you? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I, and neither of them is Muhammad Sanu either. No, neither of them are Sanu. Um, we got Calvin Ridley at number one, Gage at 11, and Mr. Julio down at number 23. Got, got to love the performances by Calvin Ridley so far. Uh, him and uh, DK Metcalf both this year look like they're going to be absolute studs in breakouts this year. And uh, again, for the people who are smart enough to invest in either of those two receivers, Kudos to you, Preeti. Yep. Anybody else you want to talk about wide receiver? I mean, we talked about uh, Cortland Sutton and Paris Campbell were the other two uh, wide receivers that suffered big injuries. Sutton uh, was a breakout candidate last year, surprisingly. Uh, that leaves uh, the wide receiver core there in Denver woefully thin. Yep. Uh, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, uh, Tim, Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick. Uh, a bunch of guys that you really don't want on your fantasy roster. I mean, certainly Judy's rosterable, but he's not going to be more than your wide receiver four or five. So and he was inconsistent. He was inconsistent this week catching the ball, caught something that you wouldn't think he'd catch, and didn't catch stuff you thought he should catch. But the key comes down to I think Driscoll being the quarterback that you don't really want to have to rely on any of those guys for fantasy success. Yeah, the, the only players that you really should consider owning right now on the Denver offense, uh, Melvin Gordon and. Mr. Noah Font. Yes, definitely Noah Font. Um, speaking of Noah Font, what about at tight end? I know there's a couple we could talk about. Well, the, the big one, I, I think, was uh, the injury to C.J. Azuma on Thursday, which looked absolutely awful. Yes. He was in the middle of a huge breakout game, looked absolutely awesome in that game, and, and he goes down uh, torn ACL uh, instantly, instantly stepping into the role. Sample. Mr. Drew Sample. And the sample size is small, but dang, it looks good. Yes, it did. Sometimes it's all about opportunity. Um, we talked about Kittle, et cetera. I, look, I, tight end relatively is deep, right? It's not, it, it really is this year. I mean, the, the amount of breakout tight ends this year is absurd. Yeah, it's, it's not like you have, it's deep like the top three deep. But if you don't have one of those top three, four guys, there's a lot of guys that are in that 6 to 15 range that can give you t- – top 10 type production on a given day well i i jokingly posted on on twitter again this weekend about the success i had with my with my sleeper tight ends this week uh higby dalton schultz uh janu uh gasicki all these guys had huge huge games and uh again a a guy like uh a guy like sample uh, a guy like schultz is probably still out on waivers and again uh blake jarwin done for the year they have no other tight end uh, depth there other than Blake Bell, the former uh, – geez, I believe he was with the Chiefs for a short period. He was with the Bears for a short period, but he never really amounted to much. Yep. Yeah, it's just – it's – I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired, and so I think I need to go get into an ice bath right now just talking about all these injuries. You know? I just it's, – it's really straining. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. Before we go over into our DFS segment, normally we take a break and go get a drink, but you know what I'm going to do? I think we should go get IVs so that we're well hydrated and don't cramp up for the second half of the show. So we'll be right back. Well, I never thought I'd enjoy an IV so much, Harley. How about you? Uh, You know what? My IV has uh, vodka and cranberry in it right now. 
I didn't get that one. Uh, the wife took care of me during the break, so we're good. Uh, my wife's now <laughs> making banana bread. So, oh, that that's even better. I mean, how about an IV of banana bread? Yeah, that, that sounds is. delicious. Add a little Bailey's to it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that does. Uh, Bailey's a little pumpkin spice liqueur, maybe. There you go. All right. So speaking of spice, um, let's spice things up with our DFS picks, and let's get right to it. Name the over under. I have got the over under at five. Five. I'm going to talk my way through this before I pick pick a side. So for our listeners that aren't aware, Harlan and I do not discuss our DFS picks in advance. We actually don't discuss much about the show in advance so that it's very natural and flowing. Um, and then Harley sets an over-under, and we see I get to pick if I think we're going to go over or under. This week I'm going to be very brazen, and I'm going to take the over. Okay. And I'm going to start us off at quarterback, and if we don't get this one, then I'm in trouble. All I got to say, let's get cooking. <laughs> that, that, that's the best way to describe it, I would say. Let, let him cook, right? Let him cook more. How's that? <laughs> Listen to this number, folks. Nine passing touchdowns, 11 incompletions. That is absurd. Dallas just let, let up four passing touchdowns to Matt Ryan in a losing effort. <laughs> yes. And Russ can add with his legs. So I'm guessing that we match there, right? We do match there. That's, that's an easy match. He's the top price player and deservingly so. I don't love the 8700 price on FanDuel, but considering the prices that they have on everyone else this week, it's really not that much higher. And it certainly is worthwhile to play him. If you're playing on FanBall where you can use Superflex and use two guys, he's got to be one of those two because he's due for a big game here. Yep. All right, so who are you staying away from? I'm gonna. This is a tough decision for me. I agree. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay away from Josh Allen versus the Rams, uh, mainly because his price is so close to Russell Wilson's. Yeah. And the Rams, uh, you know what? The Rams have a very good defensive line. They've got a decent secondary, a, a very good cover corner, uh, and again, when you pair that with the price tag, I just I don't see. Any upside, really, for Allen this week? Even if you look at rushing, uh, Dak Prescott faced them in week one, and he only got three carries for 30 yards. He, he didn't really wow them. Uh, I, you're probably going to get two touchdowns. You're probably going to get 250 out of Josh Allen, but for $400 more, you can have Russell Wilson. So wait a minute. So you don't, first of all, for people that don't know this, in week one, Josh Allen eclipsed 300 passing yards for the very first time in his NFL career. Then week two, He's over 400 passing yards, so you don't think he's going to go over 500 this week? Total uh, for the entire offense, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, we don't match there. Um, (laughs) I did consider Allen, but I went a little bit cheaper. I probably shouldn't have because that's not like me. Um, I'm staying away from Deshaun Watson on the road in Pittsburgh, and there's no telling if he's going to have Will Fuller um, for that game. At least I'm not sure if it's been announced yet. So, I'd, I'd like to know, did he have Will Fuller for the game last week? Uh, I don't think we know. He Fuller was injured. He did suffer an injury. So, of course, Jordan <laughs> Reed got out unscathed. We should have known that, that Fuller couldn't do that, though. So, uh, just look. Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, Houston's not playing great. They do need a win. But if they're going to get a win, I think they're going to have to run the ball a little bit more. Um, I just I don't want to pay up for Watson with some of the other options. Like, like I said, you can pay up a little bit more and get Russell Wilson. 
Dak Prescott, if you want to save a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks. Kyler versus Detroit in that that injured yeah. secondary. Yep. All right, who's your value play going to be? I struggled with this one. Uh, this one I feel we might match on. Uh, I actually spent more than normal on my value play this week because at this price he's still a value. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, fifty nine hundred on uh, drafting, seventy four hundred on Fanduel. Minnesota's defense is among the worst in the league and just lost another key player for the season with Anthony Barr, their big tackling linebacker out for the year with a torn pectoral. That sounds painful. Yes, it Uh, does. Ryan Tannehill has six touchdown passes through the first two weeks. That's not going to continue forever. But I would expect two to three touchdowns here this week. So, again, if if you don't pay up for a guy like Dak or Kyler or Russell this week, I would certainly be in play on Tannehill. So I don't usually like quarterbacks that are on the road, um, but Minnesota is ripe right now in that secondary. That defense isn't what it used to be. Um, Daniel Hunter is not there to add the pressure. You lose somebody like Anthony Barr. What have they got? Three new starters in the secondary, I think. Um, so mm-hmm. Tanny, Tannehill is my pick. We did, we did match. I did give some consideration to Carson Wentz. Um, at home, I think it's a decent enough matchup, but I just don't trust him yet. As much as their back is against the wall, I just don't know that I can trust them. So I think Tanny's got a better matchup, and that's why I went with him too. Yeah, I, I definitely like Carson Wentz. Um, much like the Vikings, though, that offensive line scares me too. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very, very true. Um, well, I'm pretty sure we're going to match on our running back pay-to-play here. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, we probably are, actually. Um, I'm pulling my list up real quick, and – Yes, I know we are. Um, go ahead and king me. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I called him my pay-to-play last week, and he didn't really come through for us. Uh, I'm bring him back out there this week, Derrick Henry against Minnesota, uh, for much the same reasons why I like Tannehill this week. you, you got to love a, a, just a brute force running back like that, running up against a team with three new starters on the defensive line. Uh, they're one of their top two linebackers out for the season. As you mentioned, three new starters in the defensive backfield. They really have, I mean, they were run over by Jonathan Taylor. And and the time of possession in these first two games against Aaron Jones and and Jonathan Taylor has been just ungodly against the few remaining healthy members of their defense. So these guys have been on the field so much, and they're just so exhausted. And they just don't have the size or the skill set to tackle a guy the size of Derrick Henry, this will be uh, we'll be able to forget about Derrick Henry's first two weeks and the no touchdowns. He had he's received fifty nine touches through the first two games. Yeah, uh, considering the way they control the ball against Minnesota right now, he might have fifty nine touches in this game. It's very true. He could get twenty five in the fourth quarter. Um, we do match there, of course. So I struggled with my stay away. As did I. I've got like, I wrote this name down, crossed him out. Wrote this name, left him there, went back, crossed him out, and, and then fell back to one guy, looked at the other two, and I went with my third. I probably shouldn't have. Um, so I looked at James Conner at home against Houston. Just don't feel like I can trust his health with everything that's going on. I don't know that the run game is going to be, I think, I don't know. I just, I didn't feel good about him, but I couldn't use him. So then I was like, well, I'm looking at this Dallas-Seattle game, and I actually think that's going to be a shootout. I know that the, the Seattle likes to run the ball, but I, I just have this feeling it's going to be a shootout. So I thought about saying staying away from Carson. 
But at the end of the day, I can't because you know Pete's going to find a way to get him the ball, right? Yes. So I went to the guy who I think has the best odds of being taken out of a game plan by one of the best coaches in the league at taking away a team's main cog, and that's Josh Jacobs. Oh, boy, I really thought about Josh Jacobs a lot in this one, too. And I, and much like you, I really struggled with this pick. Uh, seriously, almost considered Jacobs. Uh, I actually went with another guy who might get taken out of the game for another reason, uh, and that is Nick Chubb versus Washington. Uh, Washington is actually leading the league in fewest yards allowed to opposing running backs in the first two weeks. Mainly because their secondary is god awful. Yeah. Uh, they they also have held both of their opponents' running back cores out of the end zone. Now, when you take that Washington run defense strength and you combine that with the split usage of Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the dollars for Chubb this week just really don't add up for me. So I I, I can't tell you I didn't look at Chubb. I didn't write his name down. But why I went past Chubb was he's at home, and I and I do think that he's looked so good. You know what I mean? He really has. And yes, the Washington And defense, so has Hunt. <laughs> yes, they both have. Um, I just, I wanted to find somebody I really thought could be that bust. And I, I like, Chubb may, may let you down a little bit, but I don't think he's going to be a bust. So that's why I went to Josh Jacobs. Okay. And he's more money. So, <laughs> all right. So we got three matches halfway through. We need three more between wide receivers and tight ends. Um, I I hope we're going to match on the very first one, but I have a feeling we're not going to because I'm playing it too cute. Um, I've mentioned the game earlier. I said I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I want your value play at running back first, though. Oh, that's right. we got to do value plays at running back. Josh Kelly. We have a match. Oh, <laughs> nice. You know, Car- Carolina has given up six total running back touchdowns in the first two weeks. This coming off them giving up 30 last year. Uh, Joshua Kelly... Managed uh, 173 scrimmage yards over the first two games with a score, despite splitting time with Austin Eckler. I mean, realistically, you could start both of them against this team because they're both going to score. Uh, yep. Austin Eckler's price actually is kind of a value where it is compared to some of the higher-priced guys. I mean, I didn't want to put him above Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry's matchup is infinitely great. But I mean, Austin Eckler's matchup is infinitely great. Joshua Kelly's matchup, though, just as sweet. And you're going to pay a couple grand less for him, and he's going to put in probably about 120 total yards and at least one score this week. So definitely get Kelly in your lap. So I almost went contrarian and used Eckler as my value play. He, he would be a value too. That's what's amazing. Yep. Not because he's cheap, but because of what he's going to produce versus his price tag. And we have done that in the past, but I decided to go true value at a price, and that's why I landed on Kelly also. So, hey, we're at four. I think I've got this over thing. Let's see if I can strike out. And we'll go right back to my segue. At wide receiver, I, I really I talked about this game earlier. I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm going to go with a guy. You mentioned how, how this guy looks this year. I don't know if you're going to agree with me. He's down the price list a little bit, and that's what made it hard for me to say he's my pay-up. But I'm paying up for DK Metcalf. And we have hit five. There. I, I was in the same boat. I looked at the wide receivers up top this week, and uh, – uh, they all seem to have a little bit of a reason for me not wanting to go that way with them. Yep. And and DK Metcalf is tenth on the list right now, at only sixty five hundred, which is relatively a value by pay to play standards. But you know he just made super stud cornerback Stephon Gilmore look 
like a rookie on Sunday night football. Yes. Now he gets to face a team that on consecutive weeks has been bullied by out, big-bodied outside receivers Robert Woods and Calvin Ridley. Uh, Metcalf is a physical specimen. I'm, just look at the uh, the topless photos of him that they showed on TV the other day. And I'm not saying, like, do searches on your work computer for topless photos of DK Metcalf, uh, unless you work from home, like me. Right. No, I— w- Look, I want. I love Tyler Lockett, and I wanted to say Lockett too. I, I think Lockett's going to be a great play, but no, I think Metcalf has a chance to do what Calvin Ridley did. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm shocked that we agree because it is lower than what both of us usually go on a pay up. So um, my stay away. I, there's a handful of people that I think we could say stay away, stay away, stay away, stay away. Right? Um, yep. I'll rule Chris Godwin out of that because I don't like to use injured guys as a stay away, because that's pretty much a no-brainer. Same with Julio, since we know he's dealing with a hammy. I actually contemplated, I wrote him down and crossed him out. DeAndre Hopkins was almost going to be my stay away. But instead, I went down just a little bit. I didn't stay away from this guy at quarterback, but I am staying away from part of the passing attack, and I'm saying to stay away from Stefan Diggs this week. Yeah, It's not a great matchup for uh, Stefan Diggs. Uh, he's going to likely have to face off against Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Diggs looked pretty good this past week uh, dealing with Xavier Howard, but uh, and, and realistically, Diggs did fairly well when he was with the Vikings going up against top corners in the NFC Central, too. So uh, you don't just write him off because of the matchup, but it's not a great matchup for him. And so, again, based on price tag, I totally agree with you there. I did uh, take into account the injury factor a little bit. I did go with Julio. Uh, I'm getting really tired of no TDs Julio. Yeah. Since week four of last year, Julio Jones has scored in exactly one game. He did have two touchdowns in that game, and his other stats have been fine. But it's just really freaking annoying. This continues a trend that has plagued Julio his entire career. He's finished with double-digit touchdowns only one time in his entire career. You know, it's also uh, with the hamstring thing, it's just... I, I'm sick and tired of it. I, I, I can't – I just can't do it. So you know who he reminds me of a little bit? Who's that? Andre Johnson. Yes. Yes, totally. You always get tackled at the one-yard line. Yes. But Andre was – he was a physical specimen like Julio, a great wide receiver, top of the game, if not top three at least, right, at, at the position for mm-hmm. many years for Houston and just never could really put it together end zone-wise. I don't know if he ever had a double-digit season, actually. Again, it's not a great matchup either. I mean, Chicago, Yeah. Uh, again, if there's a defense that's going to maybe give them some fits, they, they do some weird stunts with their defensive secondary there. Could be problematic. Uh, but again, if you're going to choose a high-priced receiver for Atlanta, I think you got to ride the hot hand with Calvin Ridley. Yep, I would not disagree with that whatsoever. Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say we're hitting the over on our value play. I don't know. I'm going way, way deep on my value play this week. So Really? I'm going to be upset. I'm, <laughs> I'm going full stack. How's that? I'm picking on Minnesota again. Give me Corey Davis as a value play. And that's even if A.J. Brown were to play. Here's the thing. I 100% support that decision. I am also going to stack that situation. I'm going further down the oh, price. Oh, you're diet. going down the... Adam Humphreys, baby. 3,900 on draftings. That's a free space. Corey Davis is going to have a huge game if A.J. Brown doesn't play. Janu Smith is going to have a huge game either way. 
But you know what? Here's the thing. If A.J. Brown isn't in there, yeah. Adam Humphrey is going to have a huge game too. He has quietly caught 11 of a team-high 13 targets. So, again, yes, Corey Davis has been targeted a lot. Brown's been targeted a lot. Smith's been targeted a lot. Adam Humphreys has more targets than any of them. 11 catches, 95 yards so far this year. Got a touchdown this past week. Uh, if Brown doesn't play, Humphreys is a locked and loaded wide receiver three on all of my DFS laps. Okay. Well, well, hey, our thought process was in the same spot. Now, exactly. Now it means i got to hit one of these tight ends to make us go over. I'm just going to go right back to the super stack. I'm sorry. I'm paying up for Jonu Smith, and if this doesn't get me there, we're probably not going to hit the over. Uh, I wanted to. I just didn't think his price was high enough yet. And, again, I, you almost get to a point, too, where you have too much exposure to a team. Yeah. And coming off this last game, I mean, the hype was high on Smith going into this game. I think the hype is going to be even higher. We're, we're looking at possible 48 49% ownership. Uh, his price still isn't up where it should be. So, I, yeah, I, I like Janu. I will have some exposure to him this week. But I've got too much exposure elsewhere in this game. And you, you hate to be overly exposed to one game in case something goes off the rail, like, say, Tannehill got hurt or, or Derrick Henry got hurt or left tackle got hurt or something like that. Um, I'm paying up for... A guy going up against a team whose defense we just touted, and that's Tyler Higby at Buffalo. You know, despite facing two really bad offenses the first two weeks, Buffalo has managed to allow big games to both Chris Herndon and Mike Gesicki. You know, Tyler Higby, yeah, he's arguably better than both of them, and Jared Goff is way better than either of their quarterbacks. Uh, Higby has got eight of his nine targets this season so far including the three for touchdowns this week uh, against Philly. I've I, I just I've been a Higby fan since he took over the role uh, week eight or week nine last year. And unlike other people who are selling, selling, selling in this offseason, I've stuck with them, hung with them. Uh, this week is the time to take advantage of that. All right. So that, now you're really going to have me scrambling here. Look, and I think Jonu could have been considered a value play on top of a payup, honestly, because his price Yeah, is, with the price tag. <laughs> it's so right there. Um my stay away is kind of the same thing. Like I said, I was staying away from Josh Adams. Josh Adams, listen to me. Josh Adams. Um, J- Josh Jacobs. You should stay away from Josh Adams, too. That's yeah, true. Um, Josh Jacobs, because Bill has a penchant for taking away you know, a team's best option. So I'm going to hedge that, and I'm going to stay away from Darren Waller in case Bill thinks that's the option that he needs to close down. Um, Kittle, I'm not considering because, of, again, the, the injury to me has him off the board. So if you went Kittle because of the injury, I'm going to be a little upset. But Nope, we just hit the over there. Uh, I also went Darren Waller. Uh, New England has only given up four receptions for 39 yards to the tight end position so far this year. Uh, they were middle of the pack against the tight end last year, mainly because you couldn't throw it to the outside against them. Uh, you still can't throw it to the outside against them, but none of the Oakland Raiders' outside receivers are really a big threat for the Patriots defense. So you very well might see uh, Gilmore covering a guy like Waller, who is definitely their top receiving threat. Yeah. Um, You know, again, it's one of those situations where because Waller is the focal point of that offense, he'll still probably receive five or six passes. But I mean, you're going to get five or six catches uh, for maybe 50, 55, 60 yards at the most. There's so much better value at what's out there with the cheaper price tight ends this week. Yep. I agree. All right, we're going to match here, too. Um, I feel very confident of this. 
I'm going to say that let's assume that George Kittle is not playing and Jordan Reed is there at four grand. I know you, and I know you like me. You're not going anywhere near Jordan Reed this week. <laughs> right? That, that is so the truth. I would rather play Wasp Wally than, Jor- than Jordan Reed this week, but exactly. neither of them is my pick. Exactly. So I'm paying, I'm paying up. Uh, my value play is sub four grand, and he showed well this week after an injury. I'm going with Mr. Sample, even though it's in Philly. Drew Sample is my value play at tight end this week. And we've got one more match to round things out there. Yes, 3,500 on DraftKings, 4,800. Center 5,000 on FanDuel. Uh, not a lot of tight ends break uh, uh, go up under the 5,000 mark on FanDuel, so that's a great deal there. Joe Burrow clearly likes targeting his tight ends. Yeah. The first two games he has targeted the position 21 times. Uzoma and Sample combined for 16 receptions, 139 yards, and a score over that pair of games. Now, Izoma is done for the year, so Sample should get all of the love this week. Uh, oh, yeah, um, you might want to think back to the pay-to-play player I just recommended, Tyler Higby. He had three touchdowns at, from the tight end position against Philly this past week. So, Very true, very true. So there you go. It was a big week for us, seven matches. I, I thought if we hit the over, we might just barely hit it. I was willing to take the risk. Um, five is always a tough number. So seven's not bad. Not bad at all. Um, I'd say give us half a point for the Corey Davis and Adam Humphrey too. Yeah, we probably should, right? I mean, that's just – but no, I mean, you, you're right. If it's a value play, Humphreys is a better value play because he's so much cheaper. So, um, yeah, that game's going to have a lot, of, a lot of action on it. There's no doubt at all. Um, so, listen, that's going to do it for us this week, but I need you to do me a favor. You know, they don't really make bubble wrap anymore. You ever see that? Like, you don't get bubble mm-hmm. wrap that you can pop anymore. It's those big things that are blown up with air. They're like, you know, they're like little mini Nerf footballs that are all attached. So it's like big bubble wrap. Wrap yourself up in that so that you don't get, you know, injured between now and next Monday when we record. Sound like a deal? Exactly. And, uh, and again, uh, on a more serious note, obviously – we like to have fun on the show, but uh, uh, we, are, we are all sending our uh, thoughts and prayers out to the family of James White. Uh, his father was uh, killed in an automobile accident. Yes. Uh, his wife, his wife, his uh, mother was uh, still in intensive care uh, being treated uh, as of the recording of this. So hopefully she can come through this. And either way, of course, we, we send out hopes and prayers for the, for the best for him and his family. And I'm actually remiss that we didn't mention that earlier in the show, but yes, absolutely. And that shows that, you know what, there is more to this game of football. This, you know, these guys have lives and they have family and they have friends that, that they, you know, cherish. And it's very easy to be a jerk on Twitter and tell somebody they lost you your fantasy game and stuff like that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Um, but like you said, prayers and and, and best wishes to James White and his mom who is recovering and hopefully does and everybody else, you know, associated with him, him and his family um, and everybody else. You know what? Take care. Be safe. Mask up. Wear a seatbelt. Look both ways before you cross the road. Don't take any day um, for granted because it could always be your last. Enjoy it while you can, but do it safely. And you know what else? Follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Make sure that you sign up for the huddle.com. And of course, as always, get blitz responsible. Cheers.